This is Through a Different Set of Eyes. A podcast that aims to tackle preconceived notions, address life's challenges, and spur new thought through honest and sometimes tough conversations. I'm Jason. And I'm Eddie. And we're just two regular guys, but from very different backgrounds. So join us now as we seek to examine the human condition through a different set of eyes. So Eddie, today we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, a topic that I've been interested in for a while, and I think is the the one of the one of the reasons that we're coming together to do this, which is to better understand um, the human condition by having uh, conversations and sharing our own perspectives and life experiences right. from our from our own angle, um, so that we can learn from one another. Um, so today we I think we want to talk about race. Right. And, uh, to, to be frank, uh, that opens up a thousand different doors and a thousand different avenues, uh, for conversation. So we'll try to keep it a a little bit focused, but, um, I wanted to start off by thank you for having the, uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to have this conversation with you. I, I I see this as a difficult conversation for, for many people to have. Mm -hmm. Um, I expect to be uncomfortable Right. Right. I expect to be challenged. Uh, I look at it as a growth opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for giving me the, the, the opportunity to come here, to learn, to ask questions, to better understand. And also thank you for giving me the opportunity to make mistakes, right. um, which I'm sure I will. Uh, and uh, I also thank you for um, being willing to give me feedback on my biases, mm-hmm. whether they are conscious or unconscious. Right. I think, I think, I think, uh, you know, this is one of those topics whereby I've been looking forward to, to get into, because I think it's one, it's very relevant right now, but also I think it's a discussion that more of us should be having mm-hmm. because it opens up more, there's more understanding between difference between people, but also, I think it, 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 there's that more, how you call that, that empathy. Because mm, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, uh, I, what's going on right now is people are looking at it from across the road, right? From across the road, like, <clears> look <throat> at those. That's what's going on over there. And I don't get it. And But they're very, very, it's a very interesting topic. So I'm very excited. I'm glad we're doing this. So I, thank I, you. <laughs> thank you. I, I even want to start there. Right. That you're right. A lot of people don't talk about it because the problem is over there. Right. 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 One of the things that I've been learning as I as I'm reading more books and reading more articles and, and trying to dive into the topic more is <clears throat> that whiteness mm. for many white people right. is is not a color. It's the neutral state. It is the baseline. Color is only something that belongs to other people. That's right? interesting. It only belongs to them. Right. We grew up in a world, we being white people, grew right. up in a world right. where Every, the majority of those around us right. are white. Yes. Our doctors and nurses are white. Right. Our teachers are white. Our neighbors are white because we live in very different communities. Right. We live in very segregated communities. The people that are at our stores, at our shops, at the libraries, the people that we see on TV, that we mm. see in our favorite movies, predominantly white. So we start from a place where we don't even think about color. Mm. Right. We don't wake up and think, man, I'm white today. Right. right. It's not a thing that we do. That's from what I understand, very different than the experience of people of color in America. 
Yeah. And, and you know what's funny is um, I, I have a different viewpoint. And one of the things I'm very careful to do, especially when we get to this type of discussion, is to be very honest in the fact that while I am black, I am African. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a difference between black and African. The experience is different. We Black people in America have been through so much Mm -hmm. that informs who they are so that notion to speak to what you just talked about but of of waking up and knowing that Mm -hmm. because you feel it every single day it took me being an african to understand that to really understand where that comes from and i think with all the years i've been in this country i have um i've really gotten to see that because now I'm, I'm, you know, I, I am more, I, I see it every day. I feel it at work and in general, just you, you in life itself, because people don't know the difference. They don't see you and be like, well, you're a different kind of black. You're more, you're, you're from Africa. You're not really from here. So to your point that, that itself now, it's a daily thing that black people have to, Think about it's very much in the back of your mind mm-hmm. when you're leaving the door, when you're driving to work, when you're picking up your kids or whatever your interaction is in society. You always have that in the back of your mind that that's part of who you are. So let's let's talk about that, because as as is the, the name of the show, right, through right. through a different set of eyes, um, you have a unique experience of being black in America. Right. Right. Because you were African first and then came in. Right. So let's start from the beginning. Right. Tell me a little bit about what race was in Africa and what like race identity meant. Right. So so um, growing up, to be honest with you, I I remember growing up and having. So, uh, give you good disclosure where I'm from. Yeah. From Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. And in Zimbabwe, which was colonized by the British, for all those people that didn't mm. know, now you know. <laughs> um, so, um, my experience was always been that you, we lived separately, but we lived cordially. Okay. Right? It was almost like white people stayed in certain neighborhoods and they interacted and stayed together. And uh, black people stayed in certain neighborhoods and interacted and stayed together. But then most of the power mm-hmm. and the money was within the white mm-hmm. community. They mm-hmm. all know the businesses, the farms, and that's, that's the center of power. They were pretty much in control mm-hmm. um, and, and from that perspective. So we went, I remember going to school at an early age, I had friends who were white. I had, and we would interact and have fun at school, but mm-hmm. we would never see each other outside of school. Interesting. Okay. Right. We would always, it was like, it's not like our parents would meet and, have dinner or anything like that it was more like at school we were cool but outside of that it wasn't like something that was what you did it was just known Mm -hmm. that you know we live separate lives you know outside of that at school would get along but that was like for my early years if I was to count how many years that happened I think my first three four years in um early primary education Mm -hmm where we were mixed in and, but then over time 
white people separated themselves and went and their kids started going to different schools. And that's, so my perception of race, it wasn't like racism was there every day. I actually didn't know, fully understand or know what racism was because I had never experienced it directly. I think as you get older, you, you start, you know that there are white people in the country and you see them. We just don't interact. They're cool over there. Mm-hmm. We're cool over here. You know that they don't like you, and you know that at some level you feel like indifferent about it. Um, that's the first that you said that that they don't like you, right? What 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 was that dynamic like? Right. Um, and I and I asked that in the context, especially with the population mix as right. well, right? It's easier maybe in the U.S. for the majority of white people to look at a minority number-wise that is much, much smaller population and pin them as the others and the the ones that we're going to exclude. When you're saying that there's a seven or eight to one ratio mix right. in Africa, right. even though there is a, a power and, and financial dynamic that's very different. Right. It seems to me that it would be odd or out of place that they would, they being the white, white people right. in, in Zimbabwe, <laughs> would would not like you right. or not like black people or, right. that were, or that that tension would be there because they're not the ones who are the majority. So t- I, I don't know. Tell me. Well, about- well, so let me, it's a good question because here's the thing. I think, and this dynamic is, um, it's a global phenomenon, right? Being white comes inherently comes with certain things, right? I think- Privilege. Right. It's privilege. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever, however you define privilege, I think it's, 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 it's those certain benefits that you automatically get by being white. Now, if you think about it in Zimbabwe, we we had just uh, colonization. The British controlled everything. They were minority ruling the majority. Mm-hmm. But you understood. And at that point, for example, me growing up, I was not allowed to, at, on, at school, I couldn't speak my own language. My, nat, my traditional Shana is what I speak. I was not allowed to speak it in school, but I was we were only supposed to speak English oh, wow. because English is superior, right? Is the language of the world. And so what that does in effect psychologically, black people, mm-hmm. you already are under the assumption that we are here. Mm-hmm. We're inferior in a way. Not that you, even though the country is running, the president, the prime minister then was black, you still understood that everything he advocated, that we need to learn, we communicate in English, everything that we did was still very British-centered. And so to answer your question, they don't like you, or that feeling comes from the feeling that I am inferior. And then secondly, you know that even though like, my first example was that I had friends at school, but I couldn't see my friends outside of school. Yeah. It was taboo. It was taboo. Not that my parents didn't want me to do that, but it was more a function of that conversation couldn't happen with the white parents that mm-hmm. can my son 
hang out with your son or outside of school. It wasn't something that happened. Change is a little bit down the line. And I think now it's a lot different. That was going to be my next question right. is, and, and obviously you've been in America for how long now? Wow. Over 20, wow, it's coming up to almost 25, 30 years now. Okay. Yeah. All right. So your, your experience yeah. in, in that society on a regular basis anyway, living it, you know, yeah. day to day, have you seen a change in society there either that has progressed or gotten worse or has there been a, a shift in that dynamic? Well, they has, the change is there in the sense that now we, because of the economic problems in the country, we are all aligned. So the transition in Zimbabwe happens when the government in Zimbabwe decides to say, you know what, enough is enough. Most of the land and power is with white people. We need to take that back. Mm -hmm. So when they take that back, these are white people that have were born and raised in Zimbabwe. These are white people that have known their whole life in Zimbabwe. Their ancestors, grandparents, whatever, may have been the ones that took all this land and they own it. But they, and the way it was done was not the proper way to do it, right? But they are not directly responsible for how that happened. But the government then decides, we just not, we're gonna take the land away from you. Mm -hmm. and most of them are farmers. Mm -hmm. and, and when you take that land, their wealth, pretty much everything changes and they can't go anywhere else. So what then happens, that's, that, that's when things backfire, right? The old stuff that happened back in the days is now coming back and it haunted and changed the dynamics. So economically speaking, as the country went in a certain direction, I think everybody, we are all aligned in the sense that it all kind of started to make sense that we all have the same issues, even though they don't, they still don't directly interact like that, like on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think there are a lot more white people who say, I am Zimbabwean first. I think inherently part of the problem that I think worldwide is there's always that separation whether naturally or not, whether forced or whether intentional or not, however way you want to put it, it's still mm -hmm. there. I think you have situations whereby, like, for example, there was a conversation that happened a few years ago that talks about how, you know, more white people should start bringing in black people and have meals together. We should start interacting more outside of society, but actually being sitting down, eating dinner and bringing each other into each other's homes. And this is, this is a movement that you've heard here or there? I've, I've heard it here. Okay. Because, and I think it's relevant. My point being is, despite the fact that we may be aligned on common issues, which is like in Zimbabwe, the economy kind of brought black and white people together in the sense that they were against the policies of the existing government. Mm -hmm. And they started feeling like, well, let's all work together because this is not working. One, I'm white, I'm Zimbabwean, I'm not gonna go anywhere, this is my country. Mm -hmm. There's no way they can't go, mm -hmm. right? Even though they came in as colonizers in terms of their ancestors mm -hmm. or their grandparents, this, this is all they know. All they know is Zimbabwe and yes. this is their home. To me, I view them as Zimbabweans just like regular other Zimbabweans. Mm -hmm. The only difference is that they're just, they're different, they're white mm -hmm. and I'm black, but we're all Zimbabweans. Mm -hmm. And I think that has united people and kind of brought people together to say, let's work together because we have one common cause. But that's on that level, economically, mm -hmm. it's not 
on the deeper level in the sense that do they still now have dinners together or hang out together on that social level? Like, or host podcasts together. (laughs) (laughs) They don't. Right. You know, and one of the things coming back home, like bringing it here, and one of the things that I value, especially with our relationship, is we are able, I think knowing each other on that deeper level has added to you understanding me. I'm I understanding your viewpoint, but also because we look at each other and we see that you're human just as I'm human. Mm-hmm. We have the same concerns. And sometimes when you even talk deeper, you find that you you may look differently, but you may look different, but you share common experiences in life. Yeah. And I think once we all start getting to that deeper understanding of knowing each other on that level, that to me is this is this is a bit of a deviation and tangent from my right. where I think we were intending to originally go, but I want to ask it real quick, which is what is the state of social media in Zimbabwe today? Right. Versus what you see in the US. Because you, you just triggered something for me, which is the the key to unity and the key to to strengthening bonds between races race mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is conversation. Right. Right. And I definitely, definitely see that as a missed opportunity in the U S and it's because too often we are sitting behind our keyboards or behind our phones, uh, and only courageous enough to post a one way opinion about something online with not my face attached to it and with no responsibility to how it is received on the other end by other people. That's the power of America, right? In that what happens in America, positive or negative, tends to drift over and happens there in other countries. Mm. Because America's biggest and largest export is the culture. Mm-hmm. And once Americans adopt it and do it, everybody else feels like this is the way we should be going. Right. And, and you've shared some interesting stories in the past with me about what it meant to come from Zimbabwe to America right? and what that cultural shift was like. But to, to stay on the topic of race, um, 25 years ago or so, yeah. you, you made the move to America and right. naturally you chose Kansas, baby. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> right into the middle of it. Ah, right in the middle. Yes. So take us now through the comparative perception or perspective mm-hmm. of uh, the the your understanding of race identity in Zimbabwe to now coming to America and being African in America, where there's already white and black conflict existing. Well, what's funny is I did not fully understand how the white and black conflict. Uh, how deep that was before I came. Mm-hmm. I I um, I think I've shared with you a story of how I was just excited to be coming to America and, and, and I was looking forward to it and I was practicing different things. We can go into that at some other point. I was just trying to come over here. My viewpoint was while we were separated in Zimbabwe, in America, what I'd seen on TV and in movies was that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Black and white people mix. So I was looking forward to that. I was looking forward to that experience of coming in and then we're going to be able to talk and mix. Were you you caught by surprise with what you saw? Yes, over time. 
Yes. Okay. So it wasn't an immediate like no. shock. Well, a good a good example is Kansas. I picked Kansas because, uh, to be honest with you, I did not know anything about Kansas. And one of the reasons I picked Kansas, uh, you know, I had a conversation with my dad on where to go. My parents had been to New York. They had been to Boston. They had been to uh, Chicago. They knew those big cities, right? Mm-hmm. But but Kansas came into play because I wanted to go somewhere nobody else had gone. I wanted to be somewhere the way I would be that first person that would give you that um, that that point of view of what that place is. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I went... Uh, when I got here, my perception was Kansas was like New York. <laughs> <laughs> so my first, uh, Kansas was like New York. I thought every city in America is like New York, Chicago, LA. Mm-hmm. They all look like that. Um, but when I, my first inclination that that was not different was actually at uh, Logan International. I was, Tell me about this. Right. So I was I was about to leave because I was visiting my sister who lived in in, in Massachusetts at that point. Um, and then and now I was it was I'd been there for like two days and now I was on my way to Kansas where I was supposed to be spending the next four or five years. Um, and, and I'd never been. I'm sitting in the airport. I'm waiting for my flight to get to, to go to Kansas. And I remember this older black uh, gentleman walking up to me, very nice. And we sparked a conversation. He was actually a janitor. And he asked me, what are you, how are you? And we talk, he says, we get to the point of saying, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm going to school. I was like, where? I'm like, he's, and I said, I'm going to Kansas. And he stopped. He looked at me, he's like, Kansas. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like really excited. I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to school. I'm going over there. I can't wait. He's like, Kansas. He's like, you know, there ain't no black people in Kansas. <laughs> and my jaw was like, what? And I was like, that already jinxed me. He's like, wait, you don't mean there are no black people mm-hmm. in Kansas? Mm-hmm. And I remember getting on the plane and that's all I could think of. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I right. want to point something out here. Going back to what we were talking about earlier. Right. White people don't walk up to other white people, <laughs> ask them where they're going, and then talk about what the race mix is there. Right. It's not a thought that goes through our mind. No. But obviously, in this exchange, right? Right. He's he he shared that with you as a as a point of caution. Yes. As a point of concern. Right. 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 So like he had a preconceived notion of what you were about to walk into. And right. had concern for you because of the color of your skin. Right. And, you know, I knew what I knew was that in the 1960s, the, you talk about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and or they, that experience of what they had gone through. That to me, I, I understood that very well. And I thought that those days were past us, that they had gone. Um, but that wasn't the case. It didn't seem like. Um, that was the, the, that had happened, but I only got to find out, found out about that after I got to Kansas. So knowing that and thinking that in my head that, um, 
we uh we we i'm going to this place now this guy just told me there are no black people mm-hmm. and coming from a country where i was surrounded by majority black people mm-hmm. i was already conscious and i started looking and viewing everything in that lens the people on that flight were mostly white mm-hmm. right i'm sitting on the flight and i'm thinking crap this guy's right i'm surrounded by white people very nice people but already in my head i'm like oh my god i think that was a line from the movie get out <laughs> Exactly. So um, uh, by the time I got there, the guy that picked me up at the airport, who was very nice, was white. Mm-hmm. And it was just me and him in the van. At the dorms, the first person that I interact with was white. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going through this experience of saying, this is real. And, 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 and I remember uh, calling my father at that moment and telling him, I want to come home. Let me ask you, you are also <clears throat> a foreigner coming into a different country. Right. That's also has to be in your mind, right? Like that, right. that, that, that aspect of your experience is also there. You, you are already feeling like an other, right? Not, you know, not a native. Um, so let me, did, 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 did that weigh more on your experience or, like, uh, how do I phrase this? Was your experience at that time when right. you first came to Kansas? Right. Did you feel that it was more of a American versus Zimbabwean? Or did you feel it was more of a white versus black? No, I felt it was more a white versus black. Really? So even being from a different right. country, having a different culture, having a different language, having a different accent, having uh, a different upbringing, all of that you're carrying with you, right? Right. To America and now trying to experience college life here. Yeah. But still the number one thing that you had to face was race. Right. That was my, and that was the biggest slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just knowing, because I, I my expectations was, I'm obviously going to have and get along with blacks, with black people. I'm black. We're just going to vibe and that's going to be natural. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, 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 and my experience knowing that what I've seen on TV, there's that black and white interaction. It's different from how I was have, how I had experienced it growing up. I was looking forward to the fact that I'm also going to be hanging out with white people. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the 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 what I quickly realized is that yes, it was a there was the black and white issue. That's the main focus. It didn't even matter that I was from Zimbabwe at that point. Uh, people understood that you know um, you had foreigners, you had uh, people who were not black. What I did not expect was the experience of there are more divisions beyond just black and white. One of the other divisions I quickly realized is that Africans hung out with Africans, mm-hmm. black people hung out with black people, and then there was the intermingling of everybody mashing, mashing and mashing together. Was that more a function of uh, finding other individuals who had um, shared experiences, and therefore That's you're true. therefore you're finding comfortability in it? Or was there any aspect of it that felt 
that you weren't allowed to like, was it clicky in the sense that you were not invited to hang out with well, black people? So, so one of the things that happened is that with black people, I, I, when you're having conversation, you would hang out and you'd vibe. Obviously there's, there's a natural thing that happens when black people see each other. You almost look at each other across the room, especially when you're in a place that's dominated by white people. When you see each other, you acknowledge each other mm-hmm. and you're more inclined to, to know each other because mm-hmm. you're, that's naturally, uh, if you look like me, uh, we look alike and we can relate, mm-hmm. right? So, but- Is, what, there, is there safety in that? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Because you know that you don't feel so alone in those scenarios. Mm-hmm. So I've been in situations where I get into the room and my first inclination is to search for another black person. Like I'm very conscious on who's in the room with me mm-hmm. and I'm looking for the other black person. Again, another- another activity, another mindset that most white Americans don't do. Right. We don't think about. It's not part of our, our corporate life. It's not a part of our jobs or our schools. We walk in and live in a society that right. is predominantly white. So right. we, we don't have we don't have the fears that necessitate seeking out the safety of finding other people no. that look like us. Right. And and, and I think and and that Understanding that part first is, is 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 knowing that because here remember what's different here is I'm in a uh, I went from a black dominated country right mm-hmm. to a white dominated country so the dynamic shifts now I'm surrounded by white people and and already I'm looking at them in a certain way remember I was raised to believe and just naturally the privilege piece of this is that they're better. Like I consciously believe that, that they're better, they're, they're more superior. Everything that they do is, is better. Mm. It always comes out better. And so, so when you understand that dynamic is that when you get into a room as a black person, you want to find somewhere where you can be like, I see you, right? You see me, I'm here, you're here. So part of what I've done over time is that I, I because uh, and this goes into my back. A lot of my my own backstory is I've been in a lot of places where it's just I'm the only black person in the room, and what I've always done is I identify with uh, the other black person that I find, and I spark a conversation. So I've had I have a lot of acquaintances or friendships with janitors with the help per se. Mm. Because that's, when I'm in that room, that's my safe spot. I can go over there and have a conversation. What's up, brother? How you doing? And even though I'm, you know, there and we can spark conversations, when they bring me a drink, we, we laugh, we say a joke, and, you know, we, we, that we can relate to. And then later on, on your way uh, from the men's room, you talk, you spark a conversation because they're waiting to do their job. And, you know, because that's my safe spot, I tend to gravitate in that area. At the same time, what I quickly realized is that I'm going to need to, and this is, this happens because in college, the other thing that started to happen for me was I realized that once black people realize, because remember, looking at me, you can't tell that I'm African. You just assume that I'm black also. Mm -hmm. But once they realize and have a conversation with you, they pick up the accent a little bit mm-hmm. and then that informs them wait a minute where are you from mm-hmm. I'm from Africa and then 
you automatically see that transition. Like we were cool. You're black, mm. I'm black. But the moment I say that, it just shifts like there's uh, a separation that occurs. Right. So you not you don't really fully understand what being black is. And then also there's resentment that comes with that. That's the other thing I had to deal with. Tell me about that. Because black Africans are considered, they come into the country and they have all these high hopes. They're hardworking. Not to say that black, black, black Americans are not, but what I'm saying is the perception is Africans are more hardworking than black Americans. But also they come into the country without the same baggage that black Americans have. And so what people naturally, if I go into corporate America and people find out that I am African, and then also uh, I, I get... The, the idea is that I'm getting special preference. Hmm. I'm able to do that because I'm not here and I have not gone through that black experience. And I don't understand what black people have gone through. So that in itself, resentment is that. Also, the other thing is something that's going on now, that Africans and immigrants are coming into the country and they're taking all our jobs, right? We don't have the same opportunities is because of people... Like you coming in, so so now you have that dilemma. Yeah, to, to be clear, it's not the white people in power who have the money, who set the laws in place, right? Who drive the economy? It's not their fault that you don't have a job, right? It's it's Eddie coming in, right? And that's from outside of the country and again, stealing your job. Remember, divide and conquer, right? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and when you separate people, <clears throat> they are never going to unite enough to come together and be one powerful force. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that has worked effectively. It works very well across the board. So for me, that transition was almost something that, you know, kind of drove me. Like I have a very eclectic mix of friends, mixes of black friends and white friends. But I think that's naturally when I, one of the, some of the, the, what's crazy was when I first came here was, yeah, I'm going to be mixing around with, different races and all of that. That's going to be cool. I was excited about that. But the other thing that naturally happens is that once people know that, once blacks, black Americans know that I'm from Africa, that perception changed, right? And then now white people, when I say it, I'm from Africa, they viewed me differently. They were more curious. Mm. And so that curiosity brought more, oh, let's hang out. I want to hear more about you. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's something different, and then I found a lot more of that, and those more uh, friendships along that line because of that curiosity, and and so over time you almost gravitated like we are sitting in the middle. But those are the early days. There, there. As I'm sitting here listening to you talk, there is something that I'm trying to put words or structure around right. that I can't quite grasp the idea yet. So maybe you can help me here. Right. But there's the idea of the American black experience right. being unique and that it it separates them from everyone else, whether you're black Zimbabwean or whether that you're white American, it's, it's a, it's a separation, but it's also going through it. It, it appears to be a, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, not just a disadvantage, but it's, it's a, it, it automatically comes with its own set of assumptions. Right. 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 So like, uh, it, as you were just pointing out, Yes, there may have been 
uh, more acceptance for you in certain circles because you're from Africa and therefore there's a natural curiosity. Right. But if I look at that in the inverse, it also means that those same people are not interested in getting to know black Americans right. and understanding what their experience is right. and what their perceptions are or what they've gone through. And that somehow just by merely being a black American, you're discounted. You're, right. you're, you're, you're less than, right? right? And I think you're, you're, um, being the outsider coming in and being able to, to see that happening, right. And to be right. a part of that, that's, that's, that's interesting, but it, it also helps to identify it. It also helps to, to unlock it. Right. And I think it's that outsider coming in, right. I'm not, again, I think, I, I think when, as an African people view you that, uh, that you don't come in with the same amount of baggage, the same amount of anger that builds over time for being black in America. Let's talk about that. Right. Let's talk about what, what that anger means. So Eddie, I think that that's a, a good stopping point uh, for this episode. Um, we'll leave a little bit extra for the, the, the coming episodes in the series, but uh, I want to thank you for sharing your story today and your background and giving us the opportunity to dive deeper into some of these tougher topics. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, that's the whole point of this is learning from each other. And I want to thank you for being open to talk about this on a deeper level and us just going into it. It's probably one of the first things that you and I looked around and said, what are we going to talk about? And it was like right there staring at us mm -hmm. in the face. So we did it. But most of all, I want to thank you, the listeners out there, for listening to our very first podcast through a different set of eyes. Uh, please tune into part two of our series, Learning to Be Black in America. Uh, and while you're at it, please do us a big, big favor and make sure that you hit the subscribe button. We want you, we want to invite you back into the family and be a part of this conversation on an ongoing basis. Uh, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. We would like to know what questions you have, what topics you'd like us to dive into, what your reflections are on the conversations that we've been having. So feel free to find us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at diff set of eyes. That's D I F F set of eyes. Or you can email us directly at diff set of eyes at gmail.com. That's right. And we want you to connect. We want you to talk to us. We want you to share your thoughts, your experiences. And if you have any questions, let us know. You never know. We may be coming to you. We may reach out to you. We may be reading your stuff on our air on the next episode. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Until next time.